You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Australia Day. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to the program today and welcome to hear more from God's Word, the Bible. Now I know this program is entitled Australia Day but you will see as we progress it's uh, to do with something else and is not designed that this program should coincide with Australia Day. On May 13, 1787, a fleet of 11 ships, which came to be known as the First Fleet, were sent by the British Admiralty from England to New Holland, which we now call Australia. Under the command of Captain Arthur Phillip, the fleet sought to establish a penal colony, that's a prison colony, at Botany Bay, on the coast of New South Wales, which had been explored and claimed by Lieutenant James Cook in 1770. The settlement was seen as necessary because of the loss of the 13 colonies in North America. The fleet arrived between 18th and 20th of January 1788 but it was immediately apparent that Botany Bay was unsuitable for the new settlement. So on the 21st of January, Captain Arthur Phillip and a few officers travelled to Port Jackson, 12 kilometres to the north, by ship of course, to see if it would be a better location for a settlement. They stayed there until the 23rd of January. Philip named the site of their landing Sydney Cove after the Home Secretary, Thomas Townsend, 1st Viscount Sydney. They also made contact with some of the local Aboriginal people. They returned to Botany Bay on the evening of the 23rd of January when Philip gave orders to move the rest of the fleet to Sydney Cove the next morning, the 24th of January. But that day there was a huge gale blowing, making it impossible to leave, that is, to leave Botany Bay. So they decided to wait till the next day, the 25th of January. However, during the 24th of January they spotted the ships Astrolabi and Boisol flying the French flag at the entrance to Botany Bay. And they were as having as much trouble getting into the bay as the first fleet was have, having to getting out. On the 25th of January, the gale was still blowing. The fleet tried to leave Botany Bay, but only HMS Supply made it out, carrying Captain Arthur Phillip. Philip Gidley King, 
some marines, about 40 convicts, and, and 40 convicts, I should have said, and they anchored in Sydney Cove in the afternoon. On the 26th of January, early in the morning, Philip, along with a few dozen marines, officers and oarsmen, rowed ashore and took possession of the land in the name of King George III. The remainder of the ship's company and the convicts watched from on board the ship. The formal establishment of the colony of New South Wales did not occur on the 26th of January as is commonly assumed. It did not occur until the 7th of February, 1788, when the formal proclamation of the colony and of Arthur Phillips' governorship were read out. The vesting of all land in the reigning monarch King George III also dates from the 7th of February, 1788. But Australia Day is marked from the date when Captain Arthur Phillip planted the flag, the Union Jack, on the shores of Sydney Cove, 26th of January, 1788. And you've probably heard there's been a lot of debate about the appropriateness of this date and about the actual event. But Australia Day remains a marker in time as a memorial of a significant event in the history of this country. As with other countries, the indigenous people, the Aborigines, were subjugated by the dominant, technologically superior people of the incoming culture. Although Australian history records conflicts between the newly arrived whites and the entrenched Aboriginals, in comparison to what happened in some other countries, conflicts between the two cultures here in Australia were relatively mild, perhaps not so much in Tasmania. So why do we have Australia Day? Well, January 26 is a significant marker in time, the beginning of the nation of Australia. It's a celebration of our national beginnings. It marks the claiming the, of the land and commencement of new ownership of this country. Other countries also have their national days, sometimes for other reasons. For example, of being liberated after a war, or perhaps for becoming independent. Now, that's what happens with countries. But there is a question. Does God have a memorial in time, such as we have as Australia Day? The answer is yes, but instead of celebrating once a year, his Memorial Day is celebrated once a week. 
It's part of God's holy law, and it's called the Sabbath. In most countries, the celebrations of their national day includes a national holiday. Most people, except those involved in essential services, have a day off work, where they can enjoy other activities that are generally not possible otherwise. God's Memorial Day is similar. People, including each person in a household, may take a holiday. No, are required to take time off in order to celebrate and to remember. Now God has given specific instructions about how his day, the Sabbath, is to be celebrated. And we read this from his word in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, let's see if we can identify the main points. First one, remember the Sabbath day. This instruction is an injunction to keep the day as a memorial where one or we will remember. The second point is to keep it holy. Here God has given specific instruction as how we should observe this memorial day. We are to keep the day holy. It is a day where we honour and remember God. Third instruction was, do no work. The Sabbath is a holy day, a holiday. It is where people are to have time off from everyday work. The next instruction, it says, about not doing any work, you, nor your son, your daughter, etc., etc. God is saying that on the Sabbath, you are not to work, and you are not to expect your family members, your visitors, or paid servants, or even your animals to work either. The next instruction was, it says, for in six days the Lord made heavens and earth and so on. Here is the reason given about our beginnings. We exist because God, the Creator, made us, including the complex environment in which we live. We are to acknowledge Him, that powerful being, God, who made us. The next instruction, or the next thing was, God rested the seventh day. The memorial day, the Sabbath, should be a time of resting, 
relaxation and freedom from work. And the very word Sabbath means rest. And then we have this last point. God blessed and hallowed that day. The seventh day of the week, that memorial day, is not simply ordinary time. It is time with a difference. The time has been blessed and hallowed. It's been made holy, which means, of course, like God. The Sabbath is kept, not that the day is worshipped and honoured, but the day is set aside to honour God. Now in Exodus 20, the reason is given why people are to honour God, and it's simply because God is the Creator. You know, it's a paradox. If a Sabbath-keeping Christian believes in evolution or even theistic evolution. The Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20 and also in Deuteronomy chapter 5. The wording is practically the same in both books, except with regard to the fourth, the Sabbath commandment. And in Deuteronomy 5.15, the list of the Ten Commandments adds something that's not included in Exodus. It says, And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So what does the Israelite escape from Egypt, which is why the people were to remember, according to Deuteronomy, what does the escape from Egypt have to do with us living in the 21st century? In fact, it has everything to do with us. You see, our salvation is only possible because of what God has done. It is not possible for us to rescue ourselves from the consequences of our sins. We cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we try. So the Sabbath points to God as the Creator, but also as our Deliverer. There is no list of do's and don'ts in regard to Sabbath observance, but the Bible does give some principles and broad outlines. I had a friend who was brought up in a strict Methodist home. I'm sure his parents were very sincere Christians, but on Sunday my friend was not allowed to go outside to ride his bike and he was forbidden to play with the dog and was required to attend church and then afterwards read religious literature at home. As a result of this strict religious upbringing, my friend rebelled and sadly has no interest in spiritual things. 
he found Sunday religious observance oppressive and boring. Now we're going to go on straight after the break and I have some interesting information for you. Living below in the soul sinful world Hardly a comfort can afford Striving along to face temptation so Now won't you tell me where could I Isaiah chapter 58 gives some guidelines about how one should observe the Sabbath day. Verse 13 includes a number of things, but I want to focus on the first bit for the moment. Um, Yes, now in verse 13 it says, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, From doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight. Notice, the Sabbath is to be a delight. A day to look forward to. A day that stands out above all the others. Not just because it's a rest day. Because it's special in every aspect. And you know this applies especially to children so that they may look forward to it with anticipation just like they would for Christmas. Besides attending church, the children should love this day because it's an opportunity for the family to be together. 
It's an opportunity to eat special food that's not given on the other days of the week. It's an opportunity to engage in other family-based activities, such as taking walks in nature, or going for picnics at some nice places, or to go bird-watching, or even collecting shells or colourful stones. And all these activities should be God-focused, so that children and adults can see the variety and beauty in what God has made. But what does it mean to turn away one's foot from the Sabbath? Well, some versions of the Bible put it this way, to stop trampling on the Sabbath. And then verse 13 continues to say, The holy day of the Lord should be called honourable, and we should honour him not doing our own ways, not finding our own pleasure, and not speaking our own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I, says God, will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. Now I can tell you some wonderful stories about people who faithfully kept the Sabbath and how God blessed them and how that this particular verse that they rode on the high hills of the earth came true in their lives. But I don't have time today and I'm sorry about that. The main principle in Sabbath keeping is that God should be in focus. Rather than engaging in activities that please ourselves, it should be that the activities that we engage in should uphold, honour and please God. Now isn't the Bible presenting a conundrum here? First it says we should call the Sabbath a delight, but then goes on to say that we should not be doing our own pleasure. How can I delight in the Sabbath if there's no pleasure or satisfaction for me as I keep that day? <laughs> well, now, I'll apply this personally. There are a number of activities that I personally enjoy, like four-wheel driving, especially when there are some challenges to be overcome. I like motorbike riding and shooting and playing golf, building and constructing, travelling, gardening, watching certain programs on television, reading non-fiction stories, and because I'm generally up before six o'clock each day, sometimes I even like sleeping in for a while. But when Sabbath comes, I would feel that I have not honoured God if I use, for example, that day to sleep in so long that I'd miss church. I'd feel very uncomfortable if I'd take my four-wheel drive and go into some challenging terrain and test out my driving skills. Somehow I think my actions would not honour God if I did that. In our home, we do not watch television during the Sabbath hours, that is from sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday. 
And if we're going away, perhaps on holidays, maybe interstate or overseas, we plan our trips that we do not have to travel on the Sabbath. If I read a book on the Sabbath, it won't be just a novel or something like that. It'll be an uplifting, true-life story about how someone came to or served the Lord. We don't go shopping on that day, and I certainly do not play golf or any other competitive sport on the Sabbath. But I recognise that we all as individuals must interpret the principles of Sabbath-keeping for ourselves. And sometimes what seems right or wrong for one person may not be seen the same way by another. I also recognise that culturally Sabbath-keeping can vary. Nevertheless, it gives me concern that there are some who, perhaps after a tiring and stressful week on Sabbath, sleep in late and miss church. It seems that they are using the Sabbath for their own convenience. When that happens, I ask myself, are they treating the holy day as a holy day or a holiday? It also concerns me that some people, even if it's to visit distant family or friends, travel on the Sabbath. Again, it seems to me that that day should be kept as a holy day and not just as an inconvenient, as a convenience. We're reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, where it says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Any activity that you engage in, whether during the week or on Sabbath, should be done to the glory of God, to honour him. What we talk about, what we do, and what we think about on Sabbath should honour God. And we need to remember that the Sabbath is not just a day off, when, if we feel like it, go to church in the morning and then perhaps after lunch go shopping or to the movies or to some sporting fixture. The Sabbath is a memorial in time, similar to Australia Day, but dedicated to God. It's a day for community worship. It's a day that's to be different from any of the other days. It's a day for spiritual, emotional and relational refreshment. It's a gift from God for our own benefit. At one time... I was running a business where I had several people working for me. As a Sabbath keeper, my business was closed from 5pm on Fridays until Mondays at 8am. My workers were not Sabbath keepers, and usually they would do freelance work for other people on the weekends. What were the results of how we spent our free time? Well, on the Monday mornings, I felt refreshed, just like my batteries were recharged. 
but the workers were tired and much less efficient than they should have been. My friends, the Sabbath is a blessing extraordinaire if we keep it in the way that it was intended, a day to remember who made us and who redeemed us. The Sabbath is a special blessing. It's a beautiful gift from God.